Peace be with you. I will be doing the announcements this morning, and so without further ado, um, on the top of the announcements is Jane uh, had hernia surgery just the other night. So um, Tyler got word through uh, to Louie and Daryl and that the surgery was successful. She's doing fine, but she's very tired. So our prayers for um, Jane. And um, we have, I was just given this, a piano concert that will be happening over at Grace Lutheran Church on Saturday, September the 16th at 2 p.m. We'll put this flyer in the narthex, but it's by Marilyn Breeze with a guest artist, Mary Francis, who is singing opera favorites. So um, you'll have an opportunity to hear your favorite operas. In fact, I do know a little bit about opera. Everything I learned uh, about opera, I learned on Bugs Bunny. Kill the rabbit, kill the rabbit. Okay, that's, uh, maybe you'll never have me do announcements again. That's what you get here. Um, then uh, we have uh, our missions this month are going to be uh, supporting Harvest Ministries in uh, Maui. This is an outreach of uh, Calvary Chapel Harvest, Greg Laurie's group. They have a church over there in Maui, have for years, and they are uh, sending people from the states over there to help. And not just that ministry there, but they've been in that community for many, many years. And so they're going over there to provide people with things needful, but also to provide people with what they need the most, and that is Jesus. And so uh, when I learned of their ministry, I thought that was... Um, really a good uh, use uh, of our efforts here. Now, as always, there are Lutheran, distinctly Lutheran uh, uh, ways of giving over there as well. And for those of you in Thrivent, uh, Thrivent dollars or Thrivent can be used. They will match, uh, for every $2, they'll match uh, $1. So um, that's, a, that's a pretty good deal. And you can talk to your Thrivent uh, coordinator or uh, the website, but probably your thri thriving coordinator can get you set up on that. Um, Bible study on Tuesdays. We are continuing on uh, in the book of Romans, and that is uh, going along swimmingly. Lots of people have read Romans, but this is something that Luther said that uh, uh, Lutherans should have committed to memory. The entire book to the church in Rome. He felt it was that important, and it is that. It really is. It it's, uh, breaks down what it means uh, to be a follower, a uh, child of the living God, a child of Christ. So um, please come on Tuesdays and, and join us with that. We have a um, uh, council meeting this next Saturday. Everybody's involved or invited to come and be involved. Today, um, 
is our fellowship is inside outside uh, and we are celebrating birthdays so following the service we'll meet over there and did I forget anything no it's time to get off get the hook and pull them off okay and we're thankful to have Diane here thank you Diane and uh, our opening hymn is found on page 543 of your green hymnal and it is praise to the Lord the Almighty. stand if you're able. We come together this morning in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open and all desires are known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit 
that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let us confess our sins to God our Father, most merciful God. We confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your present and eternal punishment. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways, to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Almighty God, in his mercy, has given his Son to die for you. And for his sake, he forgives you all of your sins. And as you're called and ordained servant of Christ, and by his authority, I therefore declare to you the entire forgiveness of all of your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. For this holy house, whoops. <laughs> let's try it again, Ken. For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. For this holy house, and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. This is the feast of victory for our God. Alleluia.
Lord be with you. Let us pray. Almighty God, your Son willingly endured the agony and shame of the cross for our redemption. Grant us courage to take up our cross daily and follow him wherever he leads. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning. The first reading is taken from the book of Jeremiah, chapter 15, verses 15 through 21. And this can be found on page 1198 in the Pew Bible. Jeremiah 15, 15 through 21. Lord, you understand, remember me and care for me Avenge me on my persecutors. You are long-suffering. Do not take me away. Think of how I suffer reproach for your sake. When your words came, I ate them. They were my joy and my heart's delight, for I bear your name, Lord God Almighty. I never sat in the company of revelers, never made merry with them. I sat alone because your hand was on me and you had filled me with in, in, indignation. Why is my pain unending and my wound grievous and incurable? You are to me like a deceptive brook, like a spring that fails. Therefore, this is what the Lord says, If you repent, I will restore you, that you may serve me. If you utter worthy, not worthless words, you will be my spokesman. Let this people turn to you, but you must not turn to them. I will make you a wall to this people, a fortified wall of bronze. They will fight against you, but will not overcome you. For I am with you to rescue and save you, declares the Lord. I will save you from the hands of the wicked and deliver you from the grasp of the cruel. Next, we will read Psalm 26. It's printed on page 6 in the bulletin. Psalm 26. Vindicate me, Lord, for I have led a blameless life. I have trusted in the Lord and have not faltered. Test me, Lord, and try me. Examine my heart and my mind. For I have always been mindful of your unfailing love and have lived in reliance on your faithfulness. I do not sit with deceitful, nor do I associate with hypocrites. I abhor the assembly of evildoers and refuse to sit with the wicked. I wash my hands in innocence and go about your altar, Lord proclaiming aloud your praise and telling of your wonderful deeds. Lord, I love the house where you live, the place where your glory dwells. Do not take away my soul along with sinners, my life with those who are bloodthirsty. 
in whose hands are wicked schemes, whose right hands are full of bribes. I lead a blameless life. Deliver me and be merciful to me. My feet stand on level ground. In the great congregation I will praise the Lord. The next reading is taken from the book of Romans, chapter 12, verses 9 through 21, and this can be found on page 1764 in the Pew Bible. Romans 12, 9 through 21. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil and cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need and practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, and I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be ever overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. This ends the reading. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew from the 16th chapter, Glory to you, O Lord. Our Gospel this morning is from Matthew chapter 16, verses 21 through 38, and can be found on page 1524 of your Pew Bible. Matthew records, From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples, that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Now Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. Jesus turned, and he said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. And then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, 
and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his glory, in his Father's glory, with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what they have done. Truly, I tell you, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus. So last week, the gospel ended with a puzzling verse. You may remember that last week we had that marvelous confession of Peter where he said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And you may also remember that Jesus declared that Peter did not dream this confession up all by his little self. He, he had received it from the Father. And Jesus said, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And that's all really good stuff. Talk about an attaboy. And then, right there at the end of the reading, we read this. It said, then Jesus strictly charged the disciples to tell no one, tell no one that he was the Christ. Wait, what? Come on. Confessing that Jesus is the Christ, it's a good thing, right? Isn't it? Why? Why would Jesus tell the disciples to remain quiet? You would think, well, doesn't Jesus want us to confess him as Lord in Christ? What are we missing? What are we missing here? However, this is not the only time that Jesus did this. There are at least a dozen or so instances where Jesus seemingly downplays his role as the Messiah. And it's after performing some kind of a miracle or revealing something special about himself or, or a confession like Peter's. And Jesus gave very specific and very strongly word instructions not to tell anyone 
about what they had witnessed. Why? Why? And today's gospel provides an excellent example of the one reason, or one reason, that Jesus did this. You may recall that last week that I said that we do not really have a complete picture of what it means to be the Christ until we stand at the cross and at the empty tomb. You may also recall that Jesus himself opened the eyes of the disciples to see Christ in all the scriptures after he rose from the dead. And today's gospel shows us very plainly that Peter did not fully understand the confession that God the Father had given to him. He did not understand what it meant to be the Christ. So let's take a moment. Let's take a moment to think about this. In last week's gospel, Jesus told Peter that he had gotten his confession from the Father. The words were absolutely accurate when he said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And in spite of that, Peter did not really know what he was saying. He didn't get it. And today's gospel picks right up from last week. Peter had just given his excellent confession that he received from the Father. Now Jesus was about to tell the disciples what it meant to be the Christ. And from that time, we heard, from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things, suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. That is Christ stuff. And here's the essence of what it means to be the Christ. This essence of the Christ is the deepest expression of himself that God gives to us. That is, that the heart and soul of Jesus' ministry here on this earth is suffering. It is death, and it is resurrection. Christ and him crucified. Then we read, Peter immediately began to show that he did not understand. So Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord. This shall never happen to you. Now, we don't use that word very often, rebuke, do we? Does anyone use rebuke lately? No, we just don't. We don't really use it, but it, it means it's... it's Peter actually was scolding Jesus, the Messiah, the Christ. If we were to convert this into a more modern speech, it might go something like this, and you know I'm going to do it, but this is, how it, this is my interpretation. Peter went, whoa, 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 whoa. Jesus. Just stop. Right there. 
What's all this talk about dying? Are you out of your mind? We can't have that. Pull yourself together, man. This is not good. These guys are going to freak out. Nobody is going to kill you, at least while I'm around to say anything about it. So suck it up and cheer up for crying out loud. Peter was trying to be a good campaign manager. The only problem is that he didn't share. He didn't share his master's vision. He didn't get it. And we know that Jesus cut him off. Jesus had heard words like this before when the devil tempted him in the wilderness. In Matthew 4, it says that the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all of the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And the devil said to him, all these things I will give you if you fall down at my feet and worship me. You know, Satan, he'd always wanted Jesus to take the shortcut, to avoid the cross, to become popular the easy way and so forth. Satan always, was always ready to offer Jesus the entire world if Jesus would worship him just once. And back then, Jesus had answered him, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. And Peter did not know it, but he was tempting his Lord with the same temptation, that is, to avoid the cross, to take the easy way, that there are other ways to become the king of all. There's easier ways. You don't have to die. And this talk of death makes no sense, Jesus. It was bad enough, imagine, bad enough to hear this temptation from the evil one. But to hear it from a friend, that had to be tough. And Jesus rebuked Peter in much the same way that he rebuked Satan. He said, get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me. For you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. You know, there are people, many people, who say they love Jesus, and they just don't get it. To such people, Jesus' death on the cross seems to be a, a great defeat. You know, there are Many who will not place a crucifix in their church. We were talking about this at our Bible study a Tuesday. They won't put a crucifix in their church because a body on a cross is just too gruesome. There are even some who will not have a cross or any other symbol of Christ's work. They won't even have a cross. They do not understand that the shame of the cross has become the glory of God through our Lord Jesus Christ. How do we forget what it means to be the Christ? You know, I know it's a few months away, but what about Christmas? 
do all the decorations and the image of a cuddly little baby in a manger, do they cut out the real message of Christmas? That is that the Son of God has left his throne on high and became a baby in a manger so that he could grow up and, and die on a cross. And what about miracles? Do we look to Jesus to make our lives comfortable here on earth? Or do these miracles remind us that Jesus is the one who has the power to take away our sin? And how often do we forget what it means to be the Christ? Jesus gave his instructions to remain silent about him because he knew that the disciples did not know what it meant to be the Christ. He knew that until the disciples witnessed the suffering, the death, and the resurrection, that they would not, could not understand what it meant to be the Christ. He knew that until they witnessed these things, that their teachings would be wrong. And after Jesus rose from the dead, he appeared to the disciples. And as I told you last week when I quoted Luke 24, Jesus opened his disciples' minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. It was when they understood this that Jesus told them just before his ascension, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. It was after they understood that Christ is about suffering, death, and resurrection for the forgiveness of sins, that Jesus sent them as witnesses. That is when Jesus sent them to tell the world who Jesus is, that Jesus is the Christ and the Son of the living God. And this is the golden thread that forms the tapestry of God's Word. This is the key to the right understanding of Holy Scripture. The Old Testament, the left side of the Bible, the Old Testament points forward to the Christ. The New Testament tells of the Christ. It tells the life, the suffering, the death, and the resurrection of the Christ. And that's what makes the Bible a love letter from God that offers forgiveness and life and salvation. You see, the devil tried to use Peter's ignorance about what it means to be the Christ. He worked through Peter to tempt Jesus. And Jesus resisted the temptation, and he kept his appointment with the cross. And Jesus' suffering and death earned the forgiveness of sins for all people. It is his resurrection from the dead that opened heaven to us all. Now, after Jesus rose from the dead, 
he gave Peter and all the disciples a clear understanding of what it means to be the Christ. And we read on Pentecost that Peter preached the confession that he received from God the Father Almighty. Peter understood now that confession so well that eventually he lost his life on earth for that very confession. You are the son of the living God. And Peter and his fellow apostles, they suffered much for their confession. And they wrote this confession down so that the church could pass it down through all the generations. And that confession now is ours. We confess. And because Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, all of us who trust in him will receive the eternal gift of heaven. And he will always be with us. And we will always be with him. In the name of Jesus, amen.
Will you please stand if you're able? Let us now confess our faith together to the words of the Apostles' Creed found on page 3 of your bulletin. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. As a family in Jesus Christ, let us speak directly to our Lord and God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Father, for all of the blessings you've bestowed upon us throughout our lives, and especially in the United States of America. We have only to look beyond our own self-centeredness to realize and appreciate all that you have provided us and that we deserve no more than any others of your creation throughout the world. Thank you, Holy Father, and we ask that through your Holy Spirit, you would encourage us to be a blessing to others, whoever and wherever they are. Lord, we know that our weekly and even daily prayers constantly complain about the same things and wanting you to fix our self-created problems. Like King David in his psalm, we wonder how long, Lord, you will allow us to suffer, even though our suffering is of our own making. Thank you for loving us, even when we can't seem to learn from the lessons you have taught us throughout human history and even had written down in Holy Scripture. Holy Spirit, help us to learn and remember the will of God and then teach those lessons to our children and protect them from the siren's call of Satan that has infiltrated our society and even our schools. Father, we continue to pray for the people of Lahaina Maui who lost so much, and also for the people of Florida and Georgia who have experienced a disastrous hurricane. Our technology has enabled us to witness these tragedies as they happen in graphic detail and our hearts are broken for the people in pain. Holy Spirit, we ask that you guide our hearts to be generous and provide whatever support we can to help them all recover. We also give you thanks for the people in these tragedies who are witnessing to the saving grace of Jesus and the love of God, as well as a reminder that placing our faith and love in material goods and the pursuit of such things rather than in God Almighty, 
does not end well when tragedy visits. Lord, we pray for the safety and protection of those whom we love, who are now or will be traveling. We thank you that our sister in Christ, Bonnie, has fared well in Florida as she visits relatives during Hurricane Nadalia. We are also thankful that Bob and Joan Fry have arrived in Montana safely. Lord, we continue to pray for the medical professionals who serve to heal the minds and bodies of our friends and families and all who are afflicted with disease or ailments. We pray for our government, Lord, and our nation. It has taken us a while to make this big a mess out of our country and leadership. Only divine intervention can save us from the chaos and folly that has befallen us. Please have mercy upon us and save our nation. We pray for members of this congregation who have lost family or friends to death. It brings great sadness to us, but we thank you, Holy Spirit, for reminding us that though our mortal bodies will die, that our souls and spirit are immortal, and the faithful will be with Jesus in heaven and reunited with us in time. In the meantime, we ask you to fill our hearts and minds with fond memories of those who have departed and anticipation of our joyful reunion in the future. We pray for the safety of all of our military members. They serve to protect us all around the world and at home. Please shield them all from harm. We pray for safety for all responders to fires and floods and disasters in our nation and our various police and law enforcement officers as well. Holy Father, we're inundated with news of extreme violence and death in our schools, our restaurants, at social gatherings and sports events, just about everywhere, and often committed by young people. Please help us root out the cause of this satanic mental illness, whether it's lack of parenting, video games, television, or otherwise, and lead us all to calm down and resolve conflicts and disagreements by peaceful means. Our society is self-destructing, and we desperately need your intervention. Dear Lord, you know our hearts and thoughts, and you know our prayers before we speak them. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for perfecting our thoughts and prayers to God, and for expressing the groans and silent cries to our Lord when our words are elusive or simply inadequate. Dear God Almighty, thank you for hearing and answering our prayers even when the answer is no or not yet, because we know that you love us and your plan and timing are perfect and ours is not. Finally, we now share with you our personal prayers kept deep in our hearts or spoken aloud. Into your hands, Lord, we commend all for whom we pray, trusting in your mercy. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, amen. And now may the peace of the Lord be with you all. Let us share the peace.
Will you pray with me? Blessed are you, O Lord our God, maker of all things. Through your goodness you have blessed us with these gifts. With them we offer ourselves to your service and dedicate our lives to the care and redemption of all that you have made. For the sake of him who gave himself for us, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is indeed right and salutary that we should at all times and in all places offer thanks and praise to you, O Lord, Holy Father, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who on this day overcame death and the grave, and by his glorious resurrection he opened to us the way of everlasting life. And so with the church on earth and the hosts of heaven, we praise your name and we join their unending hymn. in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took the bread and he gave thanks. And then he broke it, giving it to his disciples saying, take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And again, after supper, Jesus took the cup and he gave thanks. And then he gave it to his disciples saying, take and drink, all of you. This is the new covenant in my blood shed for you and for all people, for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. For as often as we eat of this bread and drink of this cup, we proclaim Christ's death, his resurrection, and his glorious coming again. Let's pray together the prayer that Jesus gave to us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. You may be seated. The disciples didn't know what it meant to be the Christ. And Jesus didn't send them out before they knew what it meant to be the Christ. You know what it means. You know who the Christ is through your confession. And you get a chance today to come to the altar and to receive the Christ, his body broken, his blood shed 
for the forgiveness of sins. A foretaste of the meal to come, the wedding feast of the Lamb, that rescues you and all who believe from sin, death, and the devil. And if that's your confession, then come. The table is prepared. The ushers will bring you forward. And now the benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and grant you his perfect peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you.